Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you heard of the guy called Conor McGregor, um, he's a, um, a mixed martial arts fighter and whatever you may think of him and all the media and stuff and the colorful things that he's done and said, but he said this one thing years ago before he won his first title. This, this is honestly, I think, what resonates what I want to talk about and where I want to kind of set us off for where we're going in the series. And he says this, he won, I've forgotten who he beat um, to win this title, but he says, I honestly believe there is no such thing as self-made. I believe that that is a term that does not exist. For me, it certainly doesn't. The people who have been around my whole career have helped shape this moment. This night and this moment is for them. Now, that, that for me encapsulates everything what a friend does. I can be at the top of the world and know that that belt around my waist isn't only mine alone, but it's the people that help shape me. It's the people that help grow me. It's the people that have spoken and invested into my life. And that's the same thing for our lives. And, and, and whether, we th- whether we think about our friends today, I guess it's a time for us to be a little bit reflective and either be thankful for or thoughtful of the friends who have helped shape us, shape our, the decisions that we've made, encourage us, and, and developed us into the point where we're at now. So we want to go through that for the next few weeks, talking about friends. And I'm going to read five verses, I think, Five verses, my record low of how many verses I use um, when I'm speaking. So I'm going to read one verse from the Old Testament and then four from the new part of the Bible as well. So um, 1 Samuel 18 is where we're going to go first. It's going to go up in the screen the second if you don't have scripture with you. And um, just to set the scene a little bit here, um, this is just after King David killed Goliath, the giant. He's just killed him and um, he's, he's... spoken to Saul, the king at this time, and then Saul has a son called Jonathan. And um, Jonathan and David began a a really strong friendship that actually saw them through many things um, in their lives as well. And that's the friendship that we're going to to explore and talk about, because I believe it's a foundation for Christian friendships and and really all friendships. But I'm going to read from, this is the first verse of that next 18th chapter, and it says here, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, David finished speaking to Saul. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Loved him as his own soul. Now that's powerful. Colossians 2 in in verses 2 to 5. I'm going to read this in a different version here. um, Because I love the way it says it. And then we'll, over the next 25 minutes, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, see how they work together and how we can, we can establish that in our own lives as well. It says this in Colossians 2 in verse 2. I want you woven in into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you'll have minds confident and at rest, focused on Christ, God's great mystery. All the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown this mystery. I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off in some wild goose chase and other so-called mysteries or the secret. I'm a long way off. True, you may never lay eyes on me, but believe me, I'm on your side. Right beside you, I'm delighted to hear of the careful and orderly ways you conduct your affairs and I'm impressed with the solid substance of your faith in Christ. So tonight I'm going to kick off our friend series by talking about 
the friend zone. The friend zone. Judging by the response, I know that a lot of people will know what the friend zone is. And if you haven't, you are truly blessed. <laughs> Let me just say that. I, I found myself in the friend zone years ago. I was about, um, I was about you know, seven, eight to about ten years old. And I was, I was in this friend zone with this girl that I've known for, well, since I was about five. We went to primary school together. And, um, and I'm going to change her name because I, she's still around. So to save embarrassment <laughs> and to oh, save my pride as well. Um, I'm going to change the name, but, um, but me and Rihanna, we went quite a way back. <laughs> no joke, me and Rihanna are actually the same age, right? So this could be possible if I lived in America and I knew her and I was slightly rich. But, but me and Rihanna, we went back and, and we were friends and we were close friends, but I, I, had, a little, I had a little something, something for Rihanna. I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to go out with Rihanna. Like, I, I just... I know, it was just, we, we, we had this friendship, and, and it was like, you know, when the sun went down, we shined together, and you know, I told her I'd be there forever, and, and I wanted to have this relationship with Rihanna. But it wasn't reciprocated. It wasn't, it wasn't the same coming back. And, but I, I stayed in that place where we all know is the friend zone. So I was kind of in this holding pattern for a while, and it was actually years, so it was a long while. And, and uh, then we got to secondary school. And then I went from going from a year of, I was 30 in my class, and then two classes in one year. So at 60 uh, people my own age, and then went into secondary school. Then it went from 60 to 210. So I was just like, I've just gone from a, I've just gone from a sea into an ocean. I mean, I, so I, I find myself in this friend zone going into secondary school. And I thought, well, there's 210 people. This is a much bigger playing field. I'm just like, forget you. I'm going another way. So I was officially out of the friend zone. And then years went by, and then I remember seeing Rihanna at another party, and I was like, oh, hey, how's um, the past three years been? Because I hadn't actually spoken to her since I exited that friend zone. But the thing about friend zone is that it's kind of like, it's kind of like a holding pattern, or to use an illustration, it'd be like a, a doctor's waiting room, where you're kind of waiting for your appointment to be seen, and you're just like, how long is this going to take? And then they come to the door and you think you're going to be seen. You're like, oh, no, sorry. I was, I was here waiting longer. Why did they get seen before me? And it's, so that's kind of what being in a, in, in a, in a waiting room and in, in this friend zone is like. But I actually found it's kind of more, to use a military example, it's kind of more like you're, you're playing reconnaissance. Like you're just, you're gathering intel on your enemies you're, you're, or you're on overwatch and you're just waiting for your opportunity to take a shot, right? That's kind of what it's like. But then can I expand your worldview slightly? That your, what friend zones are, they aren't, limited to, they aren't limited to relationships. They're actually about how we do everyday life and everyday relationships. And, and I'll, I'll talk about a few different kinds of relationships. And, and you'll find yourself in here somehow um, that they're not just about, about um, romance. They're actually about just relating in general. You have um, what's known as a um, what's known as a constituency, and what a constituency is that your 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 um, your um, your your connection is based on not necessarily the person, but what that person is pursuing, what they're for, what or what they can provide for you. How many people know people like that? They. They, they're around you and they do favors for you, but not because they like you. It's just because they like what you've got to offer. 
the services you can provide. And I, I can honestly say that I'm kind of sometimes bad at that. I just be like, I get in a bad, bad uh, moment. I just be like to Pastor Kevin, hey, could you jumpstart my car? I mean, because my car sucks and dies and needs a defibrillator every once in a while. But, but, but that's just a service. Well, I love you more than that. I mean, really. I mean, we're family, right? But, um, but. But that's because is there something they can provide? A constituency, they're, they're for what you're for. They're for what you can provide. Yeah. And another kind of relationship is, it's like a comradeship. That means they're, they're, they're not, they don't like you per se. They don't even like what you're for, but they like what you're against. They like what you're trying to accomplish. You have a common enemy. And it's like, it's like if you've heard the saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Have you heard that? Yeah. That is a comradeship. It's based on something a little more hostile, a little bit more fragile, kind of like a, con- a constituency, but it's more, more fragile than that because it's, it's founded on hate and, and distrust and, and a discord. That's what it's founded on, but it doesn't stand. And when I find myself not looking back just on my own relationship with Rihanna and that, how, how that played out, but how I found myself in different friend circles and and I, I have quite wide friend circles. I mean, Heidi would sometimes comment. We would walk down the street and not once I can walk down the street and not see someone I know or know, knows me. And it's like this, this wide circle of people that I know that I've either known because we've had a common grievance or we've had um, familiar um, time together based on what they're for or what they can provide. And, and my circle is wide, but there has to be more to friendship than just services and grievances, right? There has to be more than that. And that's this third kind of friendship, which is a confidant. A confidant is for you, for your sake. A confidant will go into dangerous territory, not because they necessarily want to, because it can sometimes cost them, but it's for your sake. A confidant loves you, even if it costs them. Now, there's a saying that um, some of you may have heard that says that um, good friends will um, help you move house, but true friends will help you move a body. <laughs> now, I, I hope there's no one here like that, right? But, but, um, but there's a truth that confidants, people that are really, that love us for our own sake, will go into dangerous territory that not many other people will go. Because it's not about what they can get. It's not about what you don't like. It's that they're for you, for you. And that's what God's idea of a friend zone is like. A group of people or two people that love each other, not because they can get anything from each other, so they can give something for each other. So there's a space where they exist in that they are, are like, they're, they're inseparable, not based on what they believe or not necessarily based on, on, on the things that they accomplish, but rather they're based on the basis of relationships. I'm just on with each other. That's the kind of relationship that lasts for a lifetime. And we have David and Jonathan here. And, and there's, such, there's so much to learn from this friendship. And the time I've got left, I'm going to oh, just, just go and say a few things about that. But, but um, I'm just going to read it again. That where, where, um, where Saul says, or sorry, um, Jonathan say, sees in David something that, that, that actually wanted him to actually be like one soul, to be like one person, as it were, because 
actually what comradeship is, I'm sorry, being a confidant is like. It's like when my life is not my life anymore. My life is actually someone else's life. That, that my, my, my existence actually has an impact on someone else. It's kind of like how we can celebrate with people and commiserate with people because we feel it too because it's like we're, it's like we're one. It's like we, we, if we actually have that effect and influence on one another. But what, what creates that kind of bond? What creates that kind of strong friendship? Well, I'll read that verse again. Um, when he had finished speaking to Saul in verse, um, 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. It says here, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Now, there are two different people, but Scripture says they are as one soul. One soul. But how was it about their lives that actually got them to that place where they could be one soul? It wasn't, it wasn't their upbringing. To give you a little bit, a bit of background, Saul is the king of the nation at this time, and Jonathan is his oldest son. Jonathan, by definition, will be the one who takes his throne. He is royalty, and he's like primo royalty, right? He's, he's, he's higher than anyone else in the family line because he is pretty much in line. Saul is just the seat warmer for his, his, future, his future reign as king. That's what Saul is, and da- sorry, that's what Jonathan was, and, and David is, he's a youngest son of a shepherd, and he's in, in the lowest of the, the low in society. So in this sort of time, these two people will never, ever socially mix. Yeah. So it can't be how they were brought up. Yeah. Now, was it their personality? Was it, their, was it how they liked to behave? Was it, their, was it their strive for battle and success? Well, well, they're both men of action. They both had their success in battles, and, and David quite prolifically, but... But if you don't have a strong friendship, sometimes what happens is a common bond and a common strength sometimes becomes a competition field. Have you ever seen that? You grow up with someone, you're both good at football, and one person is getting slightly better and is getting noticed by more teams. You're like, hey, wait a minute, where's my recognition? And if there's not a strong where there's not a strong friendship, then that which becomes a common trait or common strength becomes a competition field, and then it becomes somebody that you're against. Without that strong friendship. But it was in this, the, the key in this is where he said when he finished speaking to Saul. I'm not going to read the um, previous ver- um, chapter because, just for time's sake, but I'll give you a quick synopsis as where this came from. Big bad, giant Goliath comes and, and he threatens Israel saying, you can't challenge me, I am the best, pick one guy to fight me and then we'll, and we'll fight to the death and the whole of Israel was scared and then David comes along with some food because he's told by his dad and he feeds his brothers and the, and the captains and he says, who is this guy that's shouting about all this abuse and, and then he, he says, I'll take him on, I'll, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll fell him and this, this is a battle for the Lord and he goes into the presence of King Saul and it's like, you can't fight him because he's a, you're a youth and he's been a man of war from his youth and then and then David's just like, no, I've been, a, I've been a shepherd. So, and when I was a shepherd, when lions and bears came to attack my sh- my flock, I went after them. And when I went after them, and they rose up against me, I struck them and killed them. And, the, and then God, who saved me from the lion and the bear, will be the one who will deliver the same fate to this Philistine. And Saul's like, go and God be with you. So then they go to the battle lines, and then they're on the battle lines, and then and then David.
David, he doesn't have armor or anything like that. He just has his own stuff and a, a sling and some rocks. And then Goliath's kind of insulted. He's like, would you come at me with a stick? I'm like, a dog? And then, and, and then David's just like, oh, you come at me. Like, David's just like, oh, you come at me with a sword and spear and javelin. And I come to you in the name of the Lord. And, and, then, and, and then you will be, you will be beaten before me before this day. And uh, then you'll see there's a lot in Israel. And, uh, and then that's what, see, I am African, you know, like, some people doubt it, but... Uh, um, <laughs> Sometimes they just they want to preach like that, but come <laughs> in the name of the Lord, <laughs> and uh, my dad will laugh right now. But <laughs> but um, but then, so they, he runs the battle lines, and he's not scared because he knows whose battle is. You know, some of you may know the story. You heard it in in school or whatever. Stone goes in, he goes to the ground. He's like, "Got no sword. I'll take his own, his own sword." Cuts his head off, and that's not really what you hear. We tell your kids about, but he cuts his head off. And he's going around to the head of this giant, and then he comes into the presence of Saul. And then, this is what Jonathan is talking about. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was in this sort of circumstances scenario you know i'm a teenager i'm amped up i've got my hormones playing pinball i've got um, i've got so much adrenaline that's coming out of my eyes right and what do i say when the king says to me whose son are you young man if i was a 17 year old boy just so hyped up from my last battle i would be like I am David. I am beloved of God. You better recognize. I would be like, this is my battle. You better notice. And this is the result of what I can do. This is what I guess I would do if I was in this situation. But that's not what he did. When King Saul asked him, whose son are you, young man? What Jonathan saw, what David did, This is what he did. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a man in honor of the king. He was a man who did this out of honor of his king and his God. So instead of being brash about it, I'm David, I'm the man, I'm the next in line, you better step aside. No, he just went, I am the son of Jesse the Bethelite, your servant. Wow. That humility, that willingness to not even say his own name, because it's it's actually quite irrelevant. The king asked him, whose son are you? And David humbly responded saying, I am the son of your servant. Battle was the Lord's and there's nothing much I did about it. I was just there. Jonathan saw that. It's like, wow, that's the kind of man that reflects what's in me. That's the kind of man that you can form an alliance with and you won't be worried that he's trying to gather intelligence about the best way to take you down. No, he's, he's after, he's in service of his God and his king. He's not after his own accolades. He's not after his own success. He's after honoring God. So he saw the confession of faith. He saw the humility. He saw the poise. He saw the reliance in God, not the reliance of his own skill. Because let me tell you that we can impress people with the work of our hands, but we connect with people with the contents and substance of our heart. We connect with the substance, substance of what's inside us. So that is what David, 
was, was inside of David that Jonathan saw. And this space is dedicated to the, to the truth that when we have a revelation of God, that is the common, that's a common thing that ties us all together. And it trumps all our similarities and all our differences. When we have a common love for God, do you know why? Because God is a God of love and he's not a respecter of persons. He loves you no matter if you grew up in Aberdeen, Glasgow or wherever. It's not about where you grew up. Because like James was saying, we're all his children through faith. We're all the seed of Abraham. We're all the sons of Abraham, daughters of Abraham, based not on how we grew up, not on what our, our mom told us or our dad told us or what we believe about um, about world or whatever. It's actually about faith in God. And that centrality of our life is actually what knits us together. Indo- individual friends like David and Jonathan knit together. Was, it was like a symbol, it was like a window, was like, it's almost like the portrait, the, the blueprint of how we interact as a church. Brings me to Colossians 2, where it says here, I want you woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you'll have minds confident and at rest, focused in Christ, God's great mystery. I'll go on and read till verse 4, and it says here, all the riches treasured, Treasure, all the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown the mystery. I'm telling you this because I don't want anyone leading you off in some wild goose chase and after other so-called mysteries or the secret. You know why it's important to be knit in to the house of God? I can tell you it's not about church attendance. When you look at Matthew to Revelation, church attendance is never addressed. Do you know what it is? Is deception which leads to ineffective believers. Little niggles that come into our minds and then we kind of think, well, maybe this isn't the right way. What deception leads to, it leads to a distortion of the truth, division of believers, and a desensitization to why Jesus did what he did and how we are to live our lives. When we live in this way, we live ineffectively and ultimately we begin to, begin to peter off and we begin to, we, begin to, um, we begin to degrade the value of what we've been given in Christ. But when we cling to the truth, the truth that's in one another as men and women of faith, that is what keeps us strong and unified. So Paul is saying, you know, don't, wor- don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about those teachers. What you have to do is be woven into this tapestry of love. Ever seen a tapestry? Tapestries, they have so many different colors, so many different threads woven together. And threads that, don't, that are next to each other don't even look like one another. One could be a red one, could be next to a yellow one, could be next to a black one. It doesn't matter. They're all in one tapestry woven together. And it's strong. This tapestry of love is centered, centered, on, um, centered on the truth of God and centered on the love that we share for one another. Strong bond that cannot be broken. Now, I really want you to see this, so um, I'm going to ask for a couple of volunteers in a second. This, if um, a lot of you may not know, this is what's known as a gable grip. Now, it's named after um, a wrestler called Dan Gable, and he was an Olympic, American Olympic wrestler. This is one of the strongest grips in grappling that you cannot pull it apart. So I'm going to ask from two volunteers to grab one arm and grab the other one arm, and then see if you can pull it apart. 
Now, the one that, I want you to see this because this is the power of a unified church. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out people. <laughs> right, Joe, Joe. All right, uh, who else? Who wants to help Joe? <laughs> okay, you can't do it. Kevin, okay. Joe and Kevin, come on, give them a hand. Okay. So this is a gable brick. Imagine the strength of us unifies the church. Okay, go. Whenever you're ready, grab an arm and pull. As hard as you can. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You have to get my hands apart. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be all right. <laughs> Go on, keep going. <laughs> See, as long as I'm attached, I can't be pulled apart. Keep going. <laughs> it makes my point. <laughs> you see, when we... <laughs> Go on. See, yeah, yeah, we should just hang on. <laughs> See, this is the power. Go on. <laughs> This is the power of when we're unified. <laughs> See, look. Still attached. That is what the tapestry... Give them a hand. That's what the tapestry of love is about. Connected, strong, can't be separated. See, I want you woven into this tapestry of love. Why? Because God wants us to be strong. God wants us to be effective. God wants us to not just be wallowing on our own doubts and our own divisions and our own discrepancies. He wants us strong. He wants us purpose-filled. He wants us to go out and do the things that he's actually purposed for us. I want you woven in to a tapestry of love, knowing everything there is to know of God. This one simple thing will keep you secure wherever you are. And you'll find that church is not just a place you come to. Church is who you are. Like Jonathan was one soul with David, we are one soul with one another. We can sit next to anyone in this place because it's not based on upbringing. It's not based on preference. It's not based on any of those things. It's based on our centrality around the truth and the love of God. That revelation of the love of God is what keeps us strong. It keeps us secure. And it keeps us looking forward. I love how it said here, minds focused on Christ, God's great mystery. They'll skip down to um, verse 5. And it says here, I'm delighted to hear your careful and orderly ways and how you conduct your affairs and impressed with the solid substance of your faith in Christ. When you're centered in that and that alone, you'll enter a tapestry of love, which is God's friend zone. God's friend zone is not about what you can get out of it, what, what, um, what kind of advantages you can try and employ. It's, no, it's about being strong with one another and being living fruitful lives when you're not led astray by deceptions, but you're effective believers standing in the truth of God. I'll end real quickly. The three things that you get from this tapestry that I'm talking about is fun. Fun. Because relationships are going to go on for a long time. Let's make them enjoyable. We should enjoy the company of one another. Standing side by side and enjoy 
hearing about their life stories, where they grew up, their, their confessions of faith, you know, things that have happened to them, the, the things that, have, um, that make their life interesting, they're the things that make our lives interesting. We should enjoy company with the people around us. Not worrying about if they grew up a certain way or, or if they have um, played a certain sport or they, they like a certain kind of music, that doesn't matter. Just enjoy their company and you create an access ramp for them to hear your heart and you to, for you to receive them into your life as well. Tapestry of love is about fun. We enjoy one another. It's centered on our common faith. Where we all have a common faith in Jesus Christ. Now faith is not about, it's not about intellect. It's not about what you can recite. It's about whose word you're standing on. Where's your center of strength? I won't get pulled apart by two ruffians that just want to tear your shirt. You're strong and you're centered. The common faith. The thing that separated David's relationship with Jonathan and David's relationships with Saul was that faith. Saul and Jonathan were both very impressed with David. He took on a battle literally no one else in the country would take on. But the thing that separated uh, Jonathan from being um, his best mate to Saul being his greatest adversary was that, com- that confession of faith. Saul in previous chapters, he was, his, his security was in the fear of the people, but David's was in, is in, he was centered in the, the fear of God and the, and the service of God and the power of God. And, and he had that, and there was something on David's life that both Jonathan and Saul recognized. But since Saul was so, so insecure and Jonathan was so secure, that was the difference between a faithful friend and a hostile foe. That confession of faith. Faith which keeps us secure and together despite any other difference or any other similarity. And the next in the tapestry of love is future. Now, follow me here, right? This is going to be deep. Today is the present, yes? Today is the present day. But yesterday, today, is the future. Your future is shaped by the people around you. Your today was shaped by the people around you. When we're in a tapestry of love centered on the truth of God, the people around us actually help secure our future. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's five weeks, five years, the people that are in our lives actually help secure that future. When we have that confession of faith, it's people that were, when we're down and when things happen to us, they're the people that will pick us up and say, no, you still have a purpose in God. You still have an anointing. You still have a plan. You still have, you still have the grace of God. And it doesn't matter what happened to you. God's trying to do something through you. It doesn't matter what's going on. You still have a future. And when I was young, younger in my faith and, and, I, and I was new to a relationship with God actually and uh, my dad told me, he told me to, to get Christian friends and, and I didn't realize why, I just thought he was kind of being protective and just how dads kind of are sometimes and, but 
it took me a journey of months to realize that there was there was like almost like a it was almost like a stagnation a stalemate it felt like I wasn't going anywhere until God talked to me about my relationships and he told me to to have relationship with those who are going in the same direction do you know what happens when you are when you have two different influences one you're you want to be going this way but you feel forces going that way what you saw earlier and that happens when we go into different seasons of life something's trying to tug at you and you think should I just give in it'll be easier if I give in but just be knit into the tapestry of love people try to pull at you tell you things and things that they've picked up from their university professor or whatever and trying to deceive you but when you have that tapestry of love because it's love that covers a multitude of, of sins and error. It's, it's love that it's, you're, not, you're not saying it's wrong. You're saying, no, no, I'm, I'm actually secured in love. So I don't have to argue. I don't have to, I don't have to be hostile to you. I'm, I'm just secured in something else. I, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm in love. It's not about being right or wrong. It's, it's love that's keeping me together. It's love. It's how we reach a hurting world. It's not that we're doing it because we feel like some sort of self-righteous. We're not being heroes. We're just being here. That's what a tapestry of love is. Keeping us strong. Keeping us secure. So we can be here. We can be here tomorrow. We can be here for our friends. We can be here for our descendants. Because when you have a confession of faith, your descendants are affected too. Faith is about things that you don't see being real before you perceive them. That's what it says in Hebrews 11:1 1 in the Amplified. It's what perceives as real fact what has not been revealed to the senses. It's something that's you, it's a revelation you get before you actually physically see it. Um, and I, I hadn't actually said this before, but um, last um a few Sundays ago, I spoke on the different spirit. Um, There's a message I spoke at young adults, but what I hadn't told anyone is that when I, when I spoke that message last, I got a revelation that I was going to be a dad on stage. And I knew what was coming because God revealed it to me then. How was that? Faith, something made real before it's yet perceived with your senses. So let's today decide to be woven into a tapestry of love, knowing all the truths about God. Because when you know the truth, where's the, where's the need for strife? Where's the need to try and get your way above somebody else? Where's, where's, where is that? There's, there's no need for it because once it's true, it's always true. There's no versions of truth. It's one truth. It's in Jesus. It's nowhere else. The other mysteries exist in him and him alone. Let's center our lives on that truth. Because that truth is what he'll build his church on. Not about turning up early or, or whatever. When it's part of you, you'll know what to do. When it's part of you, you'll know how to respond. When someone's part of you, you'll know how to love. You know it's intrinsically. But let's keep ourselves woven into this tapestry. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.